America. Welcome again to The Daily Answer with your host, Mark Dennegan. When Paul is in the city of Corinth in Acts chapter 18, God says to him, don't be afraid any longer, for I have many people in this city. Just keep on preaching the gospel. To me, that's a very surprising statement in light of the reality in Corinth. Man, very ungodly town. Um, like there were a thousand temple prostitutes there with this temple. And it was kind of like the Las Vegas of its time. Fast living, people just kind of living for today. And it was not a place that you would expect to find people interested in putting others first and self-sacrifice and serving God and opting out of instant gratification. And yet God told Paul, if you just keep preaching here and don't remain silent, you're actually going to convert quite a few people. And when we go to the Corinthian letter, we find that's true in chapter 6, 9 through 11, is that he'll say like, hey, some of you were adulterers and fornicators. That's sex outside of marriage and homosexuals. And you were thieves and you were drunkards and you were revilers. That is, you were people that were very irreligious, that kind of mocked God and like blasphemed and and didn't take things seriously and couldn't really take anything of an eternal nature seriously, you know, kind of like Hollywood comedians or whatever, or late night talk show hosts. Um, you know, everything's a joke and, you know, you could not really have a deep conversation with God with them. But then he says, and such were some of you. It's not like, well, you're still kind of that. Rather, no, you're not that way anymore. That's all past. And you broke from that. And you're going like, well, that's a group of kind of unusual people, right, to obey the gospel. Because I think a lot of times people think of the individual that becomes a Christian and live the, lives a Christian life, that they're more just naturally cut out for that life, that they really never wanted to, like, get drunk. They never really wanted to. They don't really find that much enjoyment in physical, earthly pleasures. And, man, that's not true. The people that become Christians are actually the people that they, they're very much into earthly pleasures. But they put God first. They, they're very much into living a vibrant life. And they're not boring people. But they, they realize that when there are certain passions that can become, become dangerous and reckless. And they got to opt out of that no matter how appealing it may seem at the moment. And so in the first chapter of the first letter of the Corinthians, Paul, in speaking to the Corinthians, will say um, in verse 26, Consider your calling, brethren, that there were not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble. And I think the thought is that take a careful look at the people in the church at Corinth, all the other people who obeyed the gospel just as well as you. And from a human perspective, from a secular perspective, from man's worldly perspective, not many of you are like the movers and shakers of society, the, the, the elite, those that the world views and puts on a pedestal as well. Those are the smart people or those are the famous people, whatever. Not many of them obeyed the gospel. The actual people that obeyed the gospel were people that came from real life and sometimes from the gutters of real life. 
some of the most addicted people were the ones that became Christians, that could humble themselves and acknowledge their need of God. So what that all led to was that, you know, the other morning I was giving my cat a fresh bowl of food and water, as I do every morning. I was laying on the couch. I was watching the moon go to bed and the sun come up, end of the night shift and the beginning of the day. And it's interesting where your mind takes you during moments like that. And I was thinking of various people I had known over the years. Some of the earlier members of the church I'd met when I first became a Christian years and years ago, some 44 years ago now. What struck me was how many of those people were first-generation Christians. And what I mean by that is that mom and dad were not Christians. And that they had come to the truth not because they'd been surrounded by it growing up, but rather after some unlikely meeting or coincidence, okay, if you call it a coincidence, of events. As in, well, in the apartment complex in which this new couple lived when they were newly married, the manager was a Christian. And as a result, the manager had given them a Bible. And from there, they had Bible classes. Or you got a job at a grocery store and one or two of the other employees were Christians. And they would have Bible studies and you were given an invite to a meeting or to a, to a, a study or a chance to go to services. Or a couple goes out of an apartment complex, relatively newly married one night and they turn right instead of turning left. And there they saw a building that said Church of Christ and they went inside. And from there, there were Bible studies. And from there, they were baptized, and they're faithful to this day. Or I've heard of couples where they get married, but one might be a Catholic, and one's a Lutheran, or one's a Baptist, and one's an Episcopalian. And they don't want, they don't want either of those. You know, the wife says, well, I don't want your religion. The husband says, well, I don't want yours. And so, but we need something, right? We want God in our lives. And so what they will do is, well, let's, let's pick a church where neither of us grew up in that. So kind of a it's kind of neutral territory. And it just so happened that the nearest group to them would be the Church of Christ. Or a lady who saw a bumper sticker. Mom and dad aren't Christians and she's not raised in that environment. And the bumper sticker says, Jesus is alive. And she says, well, Jesus is alive. Well, in that case, I need to find him. And so she started looking for God, for Jesus, and that led her to becoming a Christian. Or I've heard of people that were incredibly opposed to God and the Bible. No interest in it. Just, man, against it. Strongly against it. That type of person, if you would ask them for a Bible study or do you want to go to services with me, you would have been given a strong no, a hard no. Eventually, they became tired of being angry because I, I don't know how you end up being a happy unbeliever. It just seems like as an unbeliever, it, it's a life of antagonism. It, it's like you're always fighting against something, you know. You always have to have your full defenses up. And you can't relax. 
and you're always you're always fighting you're always fighting against reality as an unbeliever that that would be a good way to put it and that became exhausting after a while that is being angry but having no hope if you're listening to this and you're not really into god or jesus or you know the bible and stuff like that and you're just like but are, are you tired of being angry with no hope? Like, I'm angry. I got, I got my argument. I got, I got my reasons. People haven't treated me right or different religious people didn't treat me right. Okay, but where does that leave you? It leaves you angry with no hope. And may I suggest to you, that's a very poisonous environment. Anger with no hope. Or a co-worker just kept asking them for a Bible study. And they finally yielded partly because of the exceptional attitude of the Christian who kept persisting in asking them for a study. Many of the Christians I've known throughout the years that we've met on our travels were like Saul of Tarsus. That is, very unlikely candidates from a secular perspective to ever, and, and not just to like become a Christian, but to remain a faithful Christian, again, not just to become a Christian, but to be an actual real Christian and actually be living the life. Not just some church attender or pew sitter, but someone like, man, they're, they're walking the walk. And to be very involved over their entire lifetime. Man, I've lost count of how many people I've run into. Like, man, I was living hard and getting drunk every night and just a knucklehead. Or how many people who said, man, if I had not heard the gospel, I would be dead now. Or incredibly messed up and having messed up a lot of other people in the process. And yet when you look at your New Testament, many of the early Christians who were exceptional people, guess where they started from? Very worldly, selfish backgrounds. And that would either be like, Ephesians 2, where they were so bad that Paul says, you were children of wrath. Verse 3, you know, indulge the desires of the flesh and of the mind. 1 Peter chapter 4, where they had pursued a course of like drinking parties and just living it up. Colossians chapter 3, verse 5, where they, all these sins that they actually lived in. As we noted, 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. Adulterers, homosexuals, fornicators, thieves, drunkards, idolaters, such were some of you. It is really hard to find a New Testament book where it's like, oh, no, these were just these were great moral people that they just needed to fix one thing about them. And we do we do find some great moral people like Cornelius becoming a Christian. okay, and we do find devout people on the day of Pentecost in Jerusalem becoming Christians. But the idea of, oh man, they're almost a Christian. All they need to do is fix one thing or two things. That's not reality. Anyone, no matter how good of a moral person they've been, needs to work on more than just one thing. And so as I talk to people, it's just like, wow, well, that would have been an unlikely candidate for the gospel. And here's the thing. God knows where the people are who have the truth. And God knows where the people are that are looking. Um, God could find the Philippian jailer entrenched in that jail system. 
God could get Paul in the Caesar's household and convert people, get him to Rome. God could find the eunuch out in the middle of nowhere on the road from Jerusalem to Gaza, just out in the middle of nowhere, reading the Bible. God knew exactly where that guy was. And you really find that throughout the Bible is that you never find someone who's looking for the truth that's not able to find it, whether in the Old or New Testament. Have your eyes open, my friend. Be ready to give an answer for your faith because God knows who's looking and God knows who you are and good chances you're going to meet. Until next time, we'll see you in the funny papers. <laughs>